Welcome to the BCS Podcast, where we explore the basics of computer science concepts. I'm your host, Saran, founder of Code Newbie. And I'm Vaida Hichoshi, author and developer. And she is the brilliant mind behind the BCS blog series. Today we're talking about bee trees. This season of BCS is brought to you by Dev Discuss. Dev Discuss is a show I work on with the team at Dev, an international supportive community for developers. The show addresses the many burning topics that pop up on Dev every day and is hosted by Jess Lee and Ben Halper, two of Dev's co-founders. Past episodes have included unpopular opinions with Kelsey Hightower, staff developer advocate at Google Cloud and a legendary voice in tech. So an unpopular opinion should be like, computers were a mistake. Was, <laughs> was this all worth it? And how changing your name is a difficult, unsolved, and sometimes personally devastating problem in tech. I basically walk through this world through this minefield of not knowing when I'm going to have this like sort of deep emotional wound reopened. As well as how little known tools can have big productivity gains. And I think it gives me the sense of structure, which I really enjoy. And also you can color code different things. Each episode features interesting guests from diverse backgrounds who are active in the software space. This podcast is your place for burning tech questions, answers, and genuine conversations. And we also end each episode with commentary from the everyday developers who call Dev home. You'd be surprised how many things making music and coding have in common. True to the Dev community, Dev Discuss wouldn't be possible without the input from all of you. So listen, rate, and subscribe to Dev Discuss wherever you get your podcasts. All right, what is a bee tree? So a bee tree is a variation of a structure we've kind of already seen before. They're self-balancing trees. That's something we're pretty familiar with. But they're a self-balancing tree that is a variation on a binary search tree. And it allows for the tree structure to have nodes that have more than two child nodes. Okay, that sounds a little bit like the 2-3 tree, right, from last week? It is. A 2-3 tree is kind of like a bee tree. Bee trees are like a more generic version. And when we talked about 2-3 trees last episode, what we were looking at was like a subset of a bee tree. A bee tree is basically oh. based on that. And we can actually like apply some of the 2-3 tree characteristics to a mm-hmm. bee tree. And we'll kind of get into that later in the episode. But yeah, they're they're very, very much connected because they're both self-balancing. They're both a variation on binary search trees, and they both have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to how many children nodes you can have. I like that because I feel like a lot of our tree investigation exploration has been finding rules that are super, super strict and like kind of hard to maintain and to keep up with. And they've been really restricting. And it's nice to see that this is going to be maybe a little bit more open-minded, maybe a little bit more flexible. So I'm excited about bee trees. I'm glad you're excited because they're flexible, but then like there's a lot of things happening too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So what is the story behind the bee trees? When were they made? Why were they made? That kind of thing. They date back to the year 1971. And there are these two researchers who are working in Seattle at a place called the Boeing Research Labs, which I guess maybe it's just like that still exists, I guess, because Boeing's still a thing. But I would say Boeing, like the flight situation. Yeah, the the 747, 77, whatever. I don't know what. 
I don't know yeah, planes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know planes either. Uh, okay, cool. Research labs. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there are these two researchers who are working there, Rudolf Bayer and Edward McCright. And they were working on a paper there because they were basically trying to figure out how to create a data structure that really, really made it easy to read and write to large portions of data at a time. And that's basically the genesis of the B-tree. They wrote a paper about this data structure, and they introduced this idea of the B-tree, which was optimized for this task for reading and writing to large pieces of data. And the main thesis of the paper, which is also the main idea behind B-trees, which is why it's important to bring it up, is that you could use the branching factor of a tree in order to figure out how many possible children one node could have and how many keys it could contain. And this is not a new idea, right? Last episode, we talked about two, three trees. We learned that you can have more than one key in a node and more than one reference to a child. Actually, you could have like two keys and three children. That's the whole idea with a two, three tree. So this Mm -hmm. paper is very much a generalization of that idea. And two, three trees were invented one year before Bee trees. They were invented in 1970 by a computer scientist Mm -hmm. named John Hopcroft. And then a year later, bee trees were created and they were just a generalized version of the same data structure. Okay, so this idea of having multiple children is not new to us because we talked about it last week. But you used uh, a term that I don't think we talked about, the branching factor. What is that? We haven't talked about this term specifically, but it's not new to us also. The branching factor basically represents the bound of how many children one node can have. So when I say the bound, what I mean is the minimum number of children and the maximum number of children, the range of possible children that can come from one node in a tree. And so Mm -hmm. since a B tree is a generalization of a 2-3 tree, in a 2-3 tree, we know that every node can either have two or three children, or if it's a leaf node, it has no children. But we know that that's the bound, two to three. That's it. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to generalize that, you need a way of talking about what that lower bound is and what that upper bound is. So that's what the branching factor is. And a lot of the times when we're learning about B trees, you might see the branching factor referred to as the variable B, like capital B. Okay. But don't get freaked out because it's just a variable. Sometimes you'll also see it referred to as the variable N. And that's just like an abstract variable name so that you can represent what that branching factor is, the maximum and minimum number of children per node in the tree. Is there a formula associated with the branching factor? Like, how do we use the branching factor to actually give us the upper and lower bounds? Ah, there is a formula. It's math time. (laughs) Yes, let's go. The formula, basically, is in kind of two parts because there's two things we have to consider. We have to consider the number of children that a node can have, and there's a formula for that. And we have to consider the number of keys the node can have. There's a separate formula for that. I think the one for the children is a little bit easier to kind of reconcile. So we'll start with that. Mm -hmm. The number of children that you can have per node in a B tree can be described in this formula. B, the branching factor, is less than or Mm -hmm. equal to X, where X is the number of children per node, is less than 2 times B. So remember I talked about the bounds, right? The lower bound and mm-hmm. upper bounds. So that's really all this is talking about. I know there's like symbols and okay. like two Bs and Bs. And all it's really saying is the lower bound has to be less than or equal to this. And the upper bound has to be less than this other thing. 
So B is less than or equal to X is less than 2B. Okay, so let's do an example. So let's say we have a branching factor of 2. So B equals 2. So if I plug that into my formula, I have B is less than or equal to X, which is less than 2 times 2, which is 4. So 2 is less than or equal to X is less than 4. So I guess that means my X can be either 2 up until just under 4. And I don't think we can do like... 3.5 3.5 children, right? Right. You have to have full notes. You have to have, like, integers. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> full notes, not half notes. Okay. <laughs> so basically, I can either have two or three children. Exactly. And by the way, okay. when you said the branching factor of two, when you were like, let's make B equal to two, you're actually using the branching factor for a two, three tree. Because oh, okay. in a two, yeah. three tree, B is equal to two. So Okay. You basically use this formula to prove the rule we learned in last week's episode, which is that in a two, Mm -hmm. three tree, you can only have two or three children per node. And when Mm -hmm, you think about mm -hmm. the fact that a two, three tree's B, its bound, its branching factor is equal to two, now the Mm -hmm. formula, the math makes sense. It all sort of adds up. Okay, that's not too bad. You mentioned that there is a formula for children, but you also said there's a formula for keys. Yes, yes. There is a formula for keys. This is one step more complicated, but it's not too bad. The formula for figuring out the number of keys per node in a B tree can be described as B minus 1 is less than or equal to Y, and Y is the number of keys or the data that can be contained in the node. So B minus 1 is less than or equal to Y, and Y is less than 2 times B minus 1. Okay, so that's pretty similar to the children per node, but it looks like we're just doing a minus 1 on either side. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Okay, that's not too... Oh, that reminds me of the N minus 1 thing we discovered last time. Yes, and this is the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So again, if we use our branching factor of 2, mm-hmm. we have 2 minus 1, which is 1, is less than or equal to y, is less than 2 times 2, which is 4, minus 1, which is 3. So basically, we have 1 is less than or equal to 3, which means that the number of keys we can have are either 1 or 2. Exactly. And again, mm. this aligns with exactly what we were talking about last week where I said, these are the rules. Now we know this is why these are the rules, because of these formulas. And when you have a 2-3 tree, the number of keys per node corresponds directly to the branching factor, just the way that the number Mm. of children per node corresponds to the branching factor. Mm. And I said earlier on this episode, a B tree is a generalization of a 2-3 tree. Okay, So a 2-3 tree follows this formula, but also we can use this formula to figure out all the other types of B trees that you can really have. Yeah, yeah, because we've abstracted out the rules for our 2 3 tree, and now we can use it for anything. Exactly. So, cool. a couple of other trees that are similar to 2 3 trees are 3 5 trees. Okay. That basically means you can have up to three pieces of data per node, and a node can have up to five children. Okay. And then you have 4 7 trees, and you have 5 9 trees. Neat. Okay, so every node in my B tree has to follow these rules. Yes, but there's one asterisk here because <laughs> there's okay. always a little caveat. The caveat is that the root node doesn't have to follow one of these things. It has 
a little bit more flexibility because it doesn't have a lower bound when it comes to how many keys it must have. So what this means is that when you, for example, let's say I mentioned there's a type of tree called the five nine tree. So let's say mm-hmm. you have a five nine tree. Its root node could have up to nine children. You can have many children, mm-hmm. but it can possibly just contain one key. It doesn't have to contain five keys. It doesn't have to follow that lower bound. And that's totally okay. So the root node is like this exception where you can break that one rule in that one Mm -hmm, scenario. mm -hmm. So there's that one exception with this root node. The other thing, which we kind of, I think, already inherently know, but I just want to say it explicitly, is that the leaf nodes break the rule of how many children they're going to have. Because as we already know, leaf nodes don't have any children, so they're never going to have nine children because they literally don't have children. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the other thing to keep in mind is that leaves and the root have their own little idiosyncrasies when it comes to this branching factor and the rules that you have mm. to follow with a bee tree. So we talked about what we can do with trees before. We talked about inserting, deleting, kind of shifting things around. What kind of stuff can we do with a bee tree? You can do a lot of like manipulation. Just like you said, there's inserting and deleting and searching for things. But with a bee tree, we actually already have a lot of the tools for dealing with this structure. So we've talked about in lots of previous episodes that you can rotate keys around, or rather you can rotate nodes around and their values um, to restructure a tree. So that's the same thing with a bee tree. The difference is that because you have multiple keys per node, so potentially like in a two, three tree, You could have two keys. So you just have to do this one extra step, which is like you have to consider what those keys are going to do when you restructure the tree. And there's some strategies. We won't really talk about them in detail today. You can look it up in the blog post, but you can basically split the keys of a node Mm -hmm. or you can merge nodes together and propagate their keys up. And that's like, whoa. Yeah, it's cool. That sounds hardcore. Yeah, it's, it's like really interesting, to be honest, like... Most of us probably won't implement a bee tree, (laughs) so we don't really have to think about it. But if you ever had to, like, I guess the important thing to keep in mind is that you have two pieces of data potentially, or maybe like in a 5-9 tree, you have five pieces of data. You need to think about like, okay, if I'm going to rotate something, what's going to happen to these keys? And that's where the splitting of the keys and merging nodes and moving keys around comes into play. So we talked about with the two, three trees specifically, that it was around and it was important because it helps us manage large amounts of data. I assume B trees also do the same thing if they're an abstraction of a two, three tree. So how does it actually do that? How do these lower and upper bounds, these multiple nodes and keys, like how does all that translate to managing large amounts of data? So in last week's episode, one of the things we talked about is that in a two, three tree, you can sort of traverse the tree in order and you get all of the keys in sequential order. And the fact that the sorted order of the keys is connected to your ability to sequentially travel the structure is actually the thing that makes bee trees efficient when it comes to storing data. And the reason for that is because a lot of the times you use, if, if you're storing the data in a database that has an indexed, also known as an index database, that index basically maps to the keys in the bee tree, which is why like mm. being able to quickly sort through those keys and map it to some data makes it super efficient. Mm. And 
Another really nice thing is that it's really easy for a database to be able to read a section of a disk at a time because a lot of B trees will have a B value, a branching factor that is equivalent to the size of one chunk of data. And so you can basically retrieve one section or a subtree of the B tree by mapping it to part of the database. Mm. It's kind of like a loose explanation. I'm yep. not a database person. <laughs> so like, I'm sure there's all these other intricacies, but like, that's the general idea. The idea that you can map portions of data in your database to a B tree, and then you can pull mm -hmm. it all out and read whatever values you need to at once without having to make tons and mm -hmm. tons of additional calls to your database. And that's the really nice thing about like using the structure to be efficient about reading from and writing to large portions of data, which is what those two okay. researchers were trying to do anyways. Are there places or tools where we might encounter B-trees and maybe we don't know it? Probably the place that you'll find it the most is in databases, especially like distributed databases, large-scale databases, because usually B-trees are used under the hood in some way, shape, or form. And if you ever read about database management, like I was the other day, B-trees are going to come up for sure. Very cool. And that's the end of today's show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and make sure to check out Bidehi's blog post. Link to that is in your show notes. Also, make sure to take a listen to the Dev Discuss podcast that I help make. It's the first original podcast from Dev, a global community of software developers of all backgrounds and experience levels. And the show covers burning topics that impact the daily lives of programmers and beyond. Hosted by Dev co-founders Ben Halpern and Jess Lee. This episode was edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm -hmm.